Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Scran. I'm your host, Scotsman food and drink writer, Rosalind Erskine. We're the podcast that always has time to enjoy a nibble or two. I'll bring you episodes jam-packed with some of the best guests on the Scottish culinary scene, from Michelin star chefs to cocktail creators. Speaking of Michelin star chefs, Nick Nairn is now a friend of the podcast, providing us with his cooking tips on a fortnightly basis. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully I'll also give you some ideas and tips for cooking and creating drinks at home as we face this current crisis together. Coming up, I'll be chatting to Genius Brewing founder Jason Clark about his healthy and ethical approach to creating beer. Not surprisingly, most brands don't put their calorie content uh, on their packaging because they probably don't want people to realise how many calories they're drinking. And we just think that has got to change. So our Genius Cans have a full food standard nutrition breakdown on the back. Nick Nearing gives his tips on how to cook a juicy steak. Add a little bit of uh, light olive oil into the pan as soon as it smokes. Add the steak. And I talked to Sonia Mitchell from Jump Ship Brewing. Kind of a reaction to a point a couple of years ago where, you know, the beers were just getting stronger and stronger. And I think a lot of people are realising that just don't want to drink that much alcohol. Finally, I share a favourite lockdown meal and drink idea that you can try at home. So I'm going to have one of these just now. I just pour it into a glass. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of season 2 of Scran. This series will now be out on Fridays on a fortnightly basis. I'm working from home and recording with a blanket over my head in my Glasgow flat. Oh the glamour of podcasting. While this current lockdown may mean we're enjoying dining and drinking at home, we are still here to celebrate all things food and drink. And if you're eating and drinking good Scran at home, I'd love to hear about it so please get in touch with me on Twitter at Rosalind Erskine. This week's podcast is all about craft beer. Whilst beer has been a popular drink for centuries, recent developments have meant it caters more to a health-conscious audience. This week, I chatted with Genius Brewing founder Jason Clark about his locality light beer. This simple yet original idea is that one can of Genius Brewing beer equals one alcohol unit, making it easy to keep track of how much you're drinking. Each can also has clear nutritional information on the side, something that he chats more about. We also hear his thoughts on where he thinks the beer industry is heading. Hi, Jason. Hello, Rose. Hi. How are you getting on working from home? It's a strange one. I mean, we do a lot of working from home anyway. We try and keep the business really lean, but it is nice to be out on the road as well, knocking on doors, meeting, you know, pubs, hotels, restaurants, retailers, uh, talking about our brand. So to not to be able to do that face to face feels a bit odd. But if lockdown has changed a lot of things about the way people are working. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange time, but um, you founded Genius Brewing and uh, can you tell us about about the company and why it's different to other breweries? We launched the company uh, in 2016, but really came alive in 2018 when we launched our Genius Craft Lager. We, our mission was very clear. We wanted to create a beer that made healthier drinking a pleasure and not a compromise. So Genius Craft Lager is a 3% low-calorie craft beer it's designed to be a craft beer flavor, but with less alcohol, less calories. So we're at 3% ABV per can. And then our 330 mil cans were 79 calories a can. But we chose 
percent very carefully. We wanted to have enough alcohol in it that it was a genuine pleasure and a genuine substitution option if you're used to drinking premium lagers and craft beers. We felt anything less than three just doesn't give you that mouthfeel and also just the satisfaction of a bit of booze. And on the calorie side, we knew that the healthier trends coming around drinking behaviors weren't just about reducing our number of units a week, but also about about calories we're drinking. So 79 uh, calories a can means that a can of genius is you know, less calories than an apple. The other reason for choosing 3% was we knew that in a 330ml can, the 3% ABV produces you know, a measure of one unit of alcohol. Uh, we felt that clarity and simplicity was really, really important. People are trying to do the 14 units a week thing at the moment. But it's hard if you don't know how many units are in what you're drinking. If you look at the back of a bottle of beer, you, you'll find it's 1.84 units or something like that. And you've had four of them, so trying to do the arithmetic, it's, it's not great. So we knew that 3% in a 330ml can is exactly one unit of alcohol. And we put that on the front of the can as well, along with calories, which no one else was doing then. I still don't think people are doing it now. So we put our ABV, our units and our calories right on the front of the can. Yeah, it's really handy. And I, I don't think many folk after four uh, normal beers could do that maths anyway. So it's quite that's handy to know. <laughs> and also I think it touched on another issue that I think is really important in terms of this maybe speaks back to the, the changing trends in the industry is around about nutrition information. At the moment, legally, there's no requirement to put calories on alcohol products, which we think is completely absurd. And not surprisingly, most brands don't put their calorie content uh, on their packaging because they probably don't want people to realize how many calories they're drinking. And we just think that has got to change. So our genius cans have a full food standard nutrition breakdown on the back. If you look, it's, it's a great, big, easily readable a full nutrition breakdown on, on the back of the can because uh, we want people to know exactly what they're drinking. Yeah, that's that's great. It's really handy. It's, it's handy to know. Um, it's actually one of the first things I noticed when I saw the can. So it's and it's good and it's you know surprises you how few calories there are um, when you look at it like that in compare, comparison to maybe what you might already know with others. But yeah, we're we're about forty to fifty percent less calories than a than a premium lager or, or your full fat craft beers. We're also very pleased that our beer carries the British Vegan Society accreditation. Uh, when we brew Genius, when we find it at the end to clear it, we don't use Isinglass, which is a sort of fish gut, fish bladder um, extract to, to clear it, which is what's used in a lot of ales. We don't use that. We use um, a sea moss instead. And as a result of which means that vegans can not have to consume a beer with, you know, like an icing glass in the process. So we're very pleased that we able to offer a beer that's, you know, a people with a healthier agenda, but also an ethical agenda. And uh, what type of uh, drinker does um, Genius Craft Lager appeal to, would you say? We think we appeal to quite a broad range. I mean, Craft has got something of a reputation for being quite niche, uh, quite hipster. Uh, and there's definitely a truth in that. But I think what the craft revolution has done is changed people's uh, perceptions of quality. And so we're a, a beer for a, a wider market, for male and female drinkers who want a healthier beer but don't want to compromise on quality. So classically, we think you know people who would drink premium lagers like Peroni or Stella, Cronenberg, or and people who drink craft beers and appreciate you know more hops, more more flavour profile. But they don't necessarily nowadays want all the booze and the beer belly that comes 
with those you know high strength, high calorie beers. I mean, the female market is really interesting. You know, we think of beer being a, a drink for men, and, and it is very much so. But there's a lot of women who do like a beer, but I think I feel a bit marginalized by the way that the, the sector positions itself. It's very blokey often. And the profiles of the beers, I think, often don't suit the female palate. Genius has a, a more citrusy finish than a, a, a very bitter a classic Pilsner finish. We're also less gassy and deliberately so. Our carbonation, our carbonation levels are, are lower than, let's say, a Peroni or Stella. And we find that seems to work really well with the, the, the female palate. Yeah, it's quite interesting because I'm, I'm not a huge beer drinker and I have got into craft beer uh, just, you know, different flavours like the, the sours and stuff. But I am very aware that just because traditionally, you know, beer drinkers generally, like you say, tend to end up maybe with a bit of a beer belly. So it's not something that I would drink a lot of. But having tried it, I did think it's very light and still very flavourful, despite the fact that, you know, it's, you know, it's a beer. But it's, I could see myself having more than one, whereas maybe normally I would just have one and think, OK, that's enough. Because you do feel full as well on beer, I find. There's something very satisfying, I think, about beer. There is something about the volume of it that is just satisfying, especially in the summer. We want a longer, cool drink. It's great to have. You know, the problem with a glass of wine, you know, a glass of rosé or a glass of a, a white wine, is which are nice and chilled for summer. But on a hot day, it's gone in a flash. And before you know it, you've drunk half a bottle of bottle of wine. That's <laughs> not really great. It's easily done, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and wine has got stronger and stronger over the last years, like like beer has. You know, it's not unusual to find sort of 14% bottles of white wine. And before you know it, you've drunk a bottle of white wine, you've drunk you know, 12 units or plus, you know, uh, in, in one go. It's it's not great. And I think what our beer does is give you that taller, longer, refreshing drink that you want, particularly in the summer, but you know, with meaningfully less alcohol and calories. And with, you've mentioned craft beer. Um, do, how can you describe to me in your own words the journey that craft beer has been on and how Genius Brewing fits into this? The craft beer revolution has been fantastic, really, I think, over this last, probably last decade or so in the UK. Uh, we've, we've seen a recalibration of quality expectations from craft beer. People have been exposed to, to beers that are made with much higher quality ingredients and much more interesting ingredients. And it's really woken people up to the possibilities of what good beer can be and should be. I think over the last couple of decades, we've seen the mega brands just really colonize the whole part of our drinking landscape and it's all very samey and it's inevitably a drive to the bottom for these guys in terms of margins and, and cost and, and profitability. So quality has, without a doubt, has declined. And craft has just changed that. Craft has really woken people up to you know what beers used to taste like and, and what they can taste like. That's also come, I think, with a direction of travel that's clashing with another direction of travel, which is people's healthy lifestyles. There's no doubt that we are Never been more focused on our health now, and, and coronavirus is only going to accelerate that even more. And you look at the way we, you know, we wear Fitbits, we, we go to spin classes, we drink skinny lattes now. It's just becoming a big, big part of the way we see the world. And, and the problem with craft was seemed to be going the other way. It almost seemed like to be an arms race of how strong can I make it, how mega hot can I make it, what crazy ingredients can I put in it. Um, and I, we thought, you know, back in 2016. We thought that this was sailing in the wrong direction and that the healthier lifestyle trend was, it was a stronger wind that would blow the other way. And we felt the craft was missing an opportunity and, and not serving the customer well enough in those that wanted a healthier lifestyle. 
And this kind of answers my next question, but why do you think there has been a growth in demand for lower calorie beers? Is it this, you know, advancement in wanting to be healthier? Because I, I know that a lot of people who are maybe 10 years younger than me are are very much, you know, on Instagram, they're in the gym when you could go to the gym. And there is definitely a, a from what I can see, the generation behind me is not the way that I was spending my 20s. So is that what you, is that the reason that you think there's been a, a demand for lower calorie beers? I think you're absolutely right, Rose. I mean, I'm a Gen Xer and um, the press are just can't wait now to just talk back about the people who grew up in the 80s and 90s and how appallingly we behaved and drank, which, which is which you did. It was terrible. <laughs> um, it was great fun. It's a miracle I'm alive. Um, and you, as you say, the millennials, the younger generation, I've no doubt about it. I've seen the world differently, um, which is going to be, I think, a good thing for them. They're going to be healthier. They are very fitness, exercise, look focused. I think also extreme drunkenness is not lauded nowadays in a way that it it was and especially i think with everyone's got mobile phones or cameras and before you know it you're lying face down in socky hall street and that's all over instagram and i think so i think that has something to do with just the general attitude to excessive drinking um in terms of calories i think again it just comes down to our we're used to picking up a product on the on the shelves in a supermarket and looking at the nutrition on it, how much sugar, salt, fat, et cetera, has it got in it. And we're doing that or thinking like that now more in the alcohol space. And we all recognize that alcohol is really, really calorific. And I think if you look at what happens in the States, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, where America leads, the UK follows in so many social trends. And light beer kind of came to the US in the 80s. And it's just grown ever since. So, you know, the top three selling beers in the U.S. are all light beers now. Seven of the top 10 beers in America in terms of sales are, are light beers. Light is the norm over there. For them, light means particularly, you know, an emphasis on lower calories, low carbs, as they would say. And it's no surprise to me that that agenda is coming here. Yeah, it's, um, I suppose it's the same with uh, the rise in the... Um Hard seltzers as well. I think that's that's another drink that's sort of, you know, low calorie, but the, you see it over there a lot more and it's kind of come here. So it just sort of backs up the whole healthy lifestyle drinking aspect of what's happening just now. But going back to um, beer, would you agree that discovery is a core part of the experience for craft beer drinkers? I think for craft beer drinkers, yes. You know, those people who would call themselves craft beer drinkers, and I think they're a definite niche in the market. Discovery is very much part what they're about. Um, I think for the brewers, that presents a problem because you want to build a loyal uh, following amongst your drinkers. You want them to come back to your product week in, week out. Uh, and that's difficult if you're producing a beer that the explorer drinker will try once as long as, you know, of going go down the shelves of, of Tesco or Sainsbury's and pick up half a dozen different craft beers. Um, and they might really like your beer, but next week they go and pick up a, a different half dozen. Um, and so you don't build any volumes and any loyalty. We're not particularly targeted at that market at all. Genius is a, a, a mature, subtle, sophisticated drink. It, it's not, you know, in a fluorescent pink can with a crazy name like a you know, dynamite death truck or something. It's, it's just not speaking to that, I think, exploration uh, drinker part of the market at all. I think we're much more, you know, mainstream, you know, premium and mainstream drinker who's really about what's in, what's in the bottle, in the can, as opposed to another tick on the box in their, in their book of beer discovery. Um, and with that in mind, where would you say is the best place and time to enjoy your beer? Drinking, you know, we've got to be careful. Alcohol in excess is not good for us. 
Um, there is you know, reasonable evidence that moderate drinking actually has moderate health benefits in terms of longevity. You know, there's very interesting studies that show that teetotalers don't live longer than people who drink moderately. So beer is, can be absolutely part of a healthier lifestyle if we get it right. And that's where we think we fit. And that's what our mission has always been about from day one is this idea of being able to have a healthier option. You know, we're never going to tell you that beer is healthy. But if you're going to have an alcoholic drink, we like to present you as a healthier option compared to other things that are available to you there. So we're not really a, a you know, if you're on the Saturday night on the round down, that's probably, you know, you're not going to be scooping cans of genius because it's not going to get you to the place you're probably looking to get to. We're more about that, you know, after work drink. Lunchtime is great, you know, weekend, Sunday lunches, Saturday, pub lunch on a Saturday. I think obviously now we're in lockdown, more of us are kind of home socializing. And genius is a great summer drink, great for, for barbecues. You know, if you start tucking into Peronis and Stella's at midday on a Saturday come 6 p.m., it'd be quite messy. So, you know, we hope you can have enjoy your barbecue and still be standing uh, if you're drinking genius instead. So home drinking in general, I think, is what we've seen in lockdown. We now know people are drinking more. They're drinking more frequently in lockdown because we're not having to drive in the morning. We're not having to present ourselves in, in the office in the morning. And that's interesting because off-trade sales have rocketed uh, during lockdown. No surprise, we can't get to the pubs, etc. But we are, I think, now, what, seven, eight weeks into lockdown, and we are recognizing that we are all drinking a bit more than we were in would and therefore we're starting to think a bit more carefully about what it is we're choosing to drink and this is where we think genius is a really good fit to people if they you know want to have some beers in their fridge that they can just tuck into you know on a wednesday night of a friday you know etc it's just it helps them keep track of of what they're drinking and um, yeah just to, to pick up on your point there i think um you know, we we got a big data study that said you know, people are drinking like almost far too much in lockdown and on one hand you can't really blame people you know if it's a, a way to sort of relax or you can let you say they're at home more but I do think you're right I think this this gives a good option for still being able to enjoy a drink but not feeling the effects the next day or affecting your health in any way because it's much lighter so yeah I think that's great I think it's a good it's a good lockdown drink to have but just again where do you think the um, craft beer industry or the beer industry in general is heading to next? It's a great question um, food and drink constantly evolves craft beer revolution has changed things but I wonder whether it needs to change again I think the marketplace is very crowded with what I would call kind of punky in your face kind of brands which are still very strong slightly wacky really and I just think there's just no more room for any more of that the world doesn't need another IPA you know I, I think that journey has played out I think now there's a need for a more mature subtle uh, drink for the market beyond the hipster and the explorer drinker. Uh, and this is where I think light is going to be really, really interesting. We tend to talk at the moment about low and no for in the healthier drinking space, but there's a lot, a lot of problems with that. The industry doesn't have hard definitions of what no alcohol is, what low alcohol is. Uh, the retailers themselves are hugely confused by this and no surprise the customers are. I mean, one of the key problems is around about no alcohol where we've got brands who are putting out beers at 0.5% ABV, which according to DrinkAware and the Advertising Standards Authority means you have to call that low alcohol. Yet these brands call themselves alcohol-free and no alcohol. The reason being they can because it's only guidance, it's not regulation. And also under EU rules, 0.5% ABV in Europe is regarded as no alcohol. So a French 0.5% beer can export into the UK 
and position itself as a no alcohol beer. And quite, you know, quite fairly, the UK brands are saying, well, hang on, if French beer can be 0.5% alcohol free, we'll do the same. And, and I, I would agree with them. But it's not helping the consumer. And likewise, in the low alcohol space, that's, that's really confusing because, again, the definition, you've got to be 1.2% or below to be, to be anything low alcohol. Although alcohol wine would have to be 1%, and nobody drinks a 1% wine. Nobody makes one. So we think low and no is going to kind of disappear over, over time and, and, and shake out into no alcohol, which will come to be regarded as 0.5% ABV and below. We think we'll have, at the other end, we'll have just the regular beers we have now, you know, 4% beers and up into your premium lagers and your craft beers. And then sitting squarely in the middle, we see light beer as becoming a really, really big segment. You know, beers that are around about 25 to 3.5% uh, will have lower calories. Uh, and we see that as becoming a big part of the drinking landscape. And then even within that, we see the quality end of that space we see what we call light craft. You know, when you're trying to bring the quality attributes of craft beer, but with the healthier attributes, less alcohol, less calories of light beers. So we see light craft becoming really, really interesting. Yeah, I think it it does certainly sounds like a very an interesting road to be going down. Just to move on, um, we have a section of the podcast called Desert Island Drinks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So if you could only take three drinks onto a desert island, what would they be and why? Well, other than our own genius craft lager, of course. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> I do like a glass of fizz, I must admit. Um, and I, I must admit, I'm not a big fan of, of champagne. I'd rather have a, a good Prosecco. I find it, I find champagne, especially high-end champagne, I just find it a bit too dry. Um, whereas a good quality Prosecco, I, I really enjoy. So definitely, I think a glass of Prosecco or two would be good. And um, I'd have to have a cup of tea. Yeah, that's that's good. Uh, so it would be genius, genius beer, prosecco, and a cup of tea. Yeah, life would be good. Yeah, uh, I get by with that. Uh, and finally, we have some quick fire questions, which are all to do with food. Um, if you're ready, if you just think of the first thing that comes into your head as an answer, okay. okay? So whenever I'm hungry, I think of. Oh my god, you completely got me there. <laughs> the first thing I was thinking to eat when I'm hungry, Gee, uh, toast. Okay, comfort food for me is pasta. My favourite childhood dessert is? Oh, Angel Delight. Oh, yeah, God, retro. I've not had that in ages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my age there. Uh, my food heaven is? A really good Indian. And my food hell is? Lychees, for some reason. Just don't like lychees. Yeah, they've got the texture of like eyeballs. I was going to say a different kind of balls, but yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, okay, well, thank you very much, Jason. Thanks for your time today. That was a great chat. Thanks very much, Rose. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. That was a really insightful chat. And I think because many of us are now drinking more in lockdown, we're looking to be more health conscious. Discover a range of award-winning craft distilled spirits from the Glasgow Distillery Company. To celebrate World Whiskey Day, why not pick up a bottle of their Glasgow 1770 single malt Scotch whisky? Find out for yourself why this incredible spirit was crowned Best Lowland Whisky at the Spirit Business Awards and has won numerous international accolades. Go to www.glasgodistillery.com to enjoy 15% off during their spring sale. And while you're there, check out their other award-winning spirits, including Macar Gin, Banditi Club Rum, and the new G52 Botanical Vodka. Now time for a new feature of Scran. Scottish celebrity chef Nick Nairn will be sharing his cooking tips on episodes going forward. This week, he makes our stomach rumble with his tips on how to cook a juicy steak. 
two ways to do it. One is pan frying, the other one is barbecuing or char grilling. The pan fried way is steak up to room temperature, pan hot. The temperature of the pan is key, too cold, it won't work, too hot, it will burn it. So you start off at the last minute, you season the steak, salt, plenty of freshly ground black pepper, add a little bit of uh, light olive oil into the pan as soon as it smokes. Add the steak, make sure they keep the steaks at the edge of the pan so the oil's in contact with the steak. It's the medium that carries the heat from the pan to the meat. Move them around a little bit, okay, but not too much, just to, just to make sure they're not stuck, okay? About two minutes and then turn the steak or steaks in the pan. At that point, add some butter, let the butter melt. So think about oil for heat and butter for color and flavor. All the time, you're using all of your senses, so you're listening to the sizzle. The sizzle probably tells you more about whether you've got the pan too hot or too cold. And remember, the pan will, all the time, the temperature of the pan will be changing. Okay, it's either going to be getting hotter or getting cooler. So you need to, you know, you need to use active pan management. You need to be, if it gets too cold, turn it up. If it's too hot, take it off the heat. You know, look after it. Babysit it, husband it, look after the pan. And um, so not two minutes. Turn it again for about a minute, minute on the other side. And again, this depends on types of steak. Use a thermal probe and take the core temperature to between 38 and 40 degrees centigrade. And at that point, you take the steak out of the, the pan, put it on a cold plate, and you leave it to rest for the same amount of time that you cooked it. So if the total cooking time for the steak was seven minutes, rest it for seven minutes. Do not cover it in a piece of foil. Do not put it in a warm place because the steak is still cooking. When the steak comes out of the pan, the outside surface is still really hot. It's around about 100 degrees centigrade. The core temperature is 40, so the heat is migrating from the exterior in towards the interior. So as the outside temperature drops, the interior temperature rises. You've still got the same amount of heat energy in that steak. So it's really important because if you cut into the steak when it's still cooking, when it's still hot, the, the fibers are drunk with the heat and they'll squeeze the juices out. And if you lose the juices, you lose the succulents and you lose the flavor. So rest the same amount of time as you could. I really enjoy a good steak. So thanks, Nick, for sharing that tip with us. Now from light beer to no alcohol beer and one of the newest in Scotland from Jumpship Brewing. I spoke to founder Sonia Mitchell about her journey into brewing and why she chose to create a no alcohol beer. She also has some positive thoughts on the current lockdown and how businesses have diversified. So, hi Sonia, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So, could you just tell me a bit about um, Jumpship Brewing and how you got into it? Um, yes, so it, it really started from me not being able to find the beer that I wanted to drink. I've always loved beer um, and just beginning to realise that I wanted less alcohol. Started trying out the different alcohol-free beers on the market and was a bit disappointed. And uh, and when I did find one that I liked, I was drink, drinking a German lager when actually the beers I like to drink are Scottish craft beers. So I thought I'd well give it a go and see if I could make uh, a good one. And that, that's really how it all started. And is your background in brewing or are you, do, are you quite new to this? No, I'm completely new to, to brewing. I wasn't even home brewing at that point. So, um, so yeah, so it's been a big journey into the world of beer and brewing. Um, I did a startup course that gave me some of the information and found a, worked with a, a professional brewer on refining the recipe. So I had something that I could take through to production. And what are the, or what were the challenges of setting up a new beer company? Because I know we're, right now we've got a whole load of other challenges. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for me, the, um, the, the biggest challenge was scaling up production. Um, so I had a recipe that worked really well 
the sort of 100 litres, but trying to make 2,000 litres was was a different a different a different challenge, and um, so that took quite a lot of time and and patience to to refine the process um to get to get the right kit and to get a beer that that I was really happy with and that 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 was good enough so so that that for me was the big challenge was actually making the beer at a scale that I could then go on and sell it and did that was that a lengthy process or did you manage to get it down relatively quickly um it took about gosh probably about eight months from well, probably more like a year actually from having the recipe to then being ready to launch so yeah so it did take took some time and jump ship is a it's an alcohol free beer isn't it yes yeah, yeah. so it's a 0.5 percent abv so um yeah alcohol free in terms of having very very little in it and is this a trend that you see becoming sort of bigger within the craft beer industries is it sort of headed in a sort of low and no uh, direction do you think yeah, I definitely think this is a trend that will continue. Um, whether that's alcohol-free or lower ABV, I think there's definitely going to be a move towards more beers that are under four percent. Kind of a reaction to a point a couple of years ago where you know the beers were just getting stronger and stronger, and I think um, just a lot of people are just realizing that they just don't want to drink that much alcohol. So yes, so I think it's, it's definitely a trend that that's here to stay. And do you also think, um, or, or or what are your opinions on the change in the industry in the last couple of years? I mean, I've spoken to Jason at Genius Brewing on this episode as well. And I think one of the reasons he said for their light craft beer was they wanted to appeal to a female market and maybe people were a bit more concerned about body image. I know I know that's not just women, but do you think there has been um, more a take up of women drinking beer? And, you know, there's also dietary requirement, requirements such as like people being vegan. Do you think that there's the shift in craft beer is also been to kind of accommodate that type of thing like changing demographic and dietary requirements yeah it's um I think I find actually when it looks at calories in beer it's it's more men that seem to be looking at that you know as some people hit hit their 40s and starting to look at ways to improve their health kind of realizing that actually if you want to get fitter and healthier that there's quite a lot of calories in beer and that that's going to to hold you back I think for for me I'm I'm finding that when people have made the decision to 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 cut back on alcohol or to stop drinking then they're more open to trying different drinks that they wouldn't have tried before so if you're not not a beer drinker but you're you know you're not looking at alcohol anymore then you might try an alcohol free beer because you're just trying to find new drinks to fit to fill your needs and um so i think people are more experimental than they might have been previously having been quite habituated in the usual glass of wine gin and tonic pint of beer or whatever, or whatever they had before yeah, I found that. I did a, a a month at the end of last year of of trying not to well not drinking and yeah, you do end up finding that you drink different things. So yeah, it's it's good to have the option now though, because before it was just like how many glasses of coke can you possibly drink on a night out? Yeah. <laughs> and I think vegan vegan and gluten free are definitely trends as well. I think, you know, a few years back people didn't really question what was in a beer. Was it vegan? Was there gluten in a beer? But I think as people overall have become more aware of their diet, um, more aware of what they're eating, then then they're also asking more questions of, of the beer that they're drinking. And then if, if they're gluten intolerant or if they're vegan, people are looking for, for beers that are clearly labelled so they, they can find the choices that they want. And what has been the reaction to your beer? It's been really good. It's been really good. People are really enjoying the, the flavour, lots of really positive feedback. For me, it's about reaching out to people who have 
not tried alcohol free beer yet or a bit skeptical and um you know once i've tasted it the expression on their face is one of pure joy because when you find a beer that you can enjoy and get everything you want from a beer but not be held back from the alcohol it's it's a really good feeling um, and whereabouts um right now during lockdown can people buy it online or is it available in any sort of supermarkets and things like where could dead people pick it up so it's available online. Um, I've, I've got a few online retailers who ship nationally. Um, there's also a few uh, local independents who are doing local deliveries. And I've also started doing um, direct deliveries once a week to certain Edinburgh postcodes. So I've been really impressed in the last couple of months of just the, the level of energy and creativity businesses have shown in keeping their customers served and, and businesses to market. And there's there's been new startups in Edinburgh, like Keep, Keep Edinburgh Thriving, Edinburgh Brews Delivered, who've just popped up in the last month to, to make sure that businesses can get their products into the hands of hands of people. So, um, yeah, so at one point it felt like all opportunities were closed, but actually there's new ones and there's different ones and it, it feels quite exciting. Yeah, and I feel like uh, people, customers are, are willing to be a lot more supportive than you know, not not that they weren't before, but you know, you're not making your big weekly Tesco shop. So you're looking around thinking, right, what what can I buy? Where can I buy it from? And am I supporting local producers? And that's quite good as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I'm I'm still very small. I'm not stocked in any supermarkets. So it's really important for, for small brewers like me to be able to, to connect with local people who want to support their, their local breweries and, and have their beers delivered directly. And what is, uh, what is the name? Does the ma- name mean anything, Jump Ship? Yeah, I mean, I, I love sailing. So sort of being on the sea is my happy place. I've not been able to do it much in the last, just having a family. And, uh, and also I wanted something that it's just that kind of invitation to, to, to make a change. I mean, I, I jumped ship from my previous career to, to take the bold leap into brewing. Um, and I think the leap into alcohol free, sometimes it feels like a bit of a leap into the unknown. So um, it's kind of an invitation for people to jump ship with me and, and have a go. I might like it. <laughs> and what were you doing before? Um, so I worked in marketing the last um, few years. I've run my own consultancy and I've actually worked with quite a few local businesses and startups in, in and around Edinburgh, as well as working in charity sector as well. So uh, what are your future plans for Jump Ship, if, you, if, if we know <laughs> right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, navigating the uncertainty, um, finding new ways to connect with people and to, to make sure they can still get hold of my beer while the pubs and restaurants are closed. I'm feeling a lot of local support. So growing in Edinburgh is really important and um, reaching out further into Scotland. Also, we've, um, we canned a small batch of a prototype ale which has been tasted and has gone down really well so looking to to scale that up for the nationwide release oh lovely that'd be good so uh just the last um, section of the podcast is called desert island drinks so if you could only choose three drinks to take on a desert island what would they be and why oh <laughs> well it would have to be am i allowed to choose my own yeah that's fine <laughs> yeah it'd have to be I yard am lager because I'm assuming that this is going to be a sunny island yeah. and I like to yeah it's like the best thing to drink all day in the sun and I'll be able to keep my wits ahead of me to to survive on the island too I definitely need my my morning coffee maybe some nice peppermint tea to send me off to sleep at night and keep me relaxed nice. <laughs> yeah it's, it's definitely a really interesting time very challenging time to be 
to be in, in the brewing industry, but it feels like there's opportunity and, and, and new opportunities that we maybe haven't even even seen yet. So, Yeah. Do you think this might change the way people sort of socialise and drink kind of going forward, maybe a bit more at home? Yeah, definitely drinking at more at home. And I think from a, an alcohol-free point of view, I think people have been willing, been actually cutting back and willing to try new alcohol-free drinks at home. I think a lot of people are missing the pub and will want to get back to the pub, but we need to be confident and feel safe to to go out and and socialise. So, and I think people are, are, are getting used to having their deliveries at home. So I think um, home delivery, I don't think that's going to, that's a trend that's going to stay. And I think as well, like with, you know, there was reports that during lockdown, alcohol consumption's gone, you know, people are drinking a lot more. So it's good to have uh, options of still being able to enjoy a beer, but not actually worry about the alcohol. Because I know we're not driving anywhere the next day. We're not really going to work like per se. But I think it's good to sort of be mindful of these things right now because it could be very easy to just be like drinking every single day. So, yeah, it's nice to have options. And I think people are just thinking this is a really stressful situation. Yeah. It's not going to be helped if I wake up hungover. No, no, no. The fear. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, well, thank you very much, Sonia. Brilliant. Well, thank you so so much for your interest in, in the category. It's great. Okay, thank you very much. Speak to you later. Okay. Bye. Thank, bye. Thanks, Sonia. Like many, I used to be wary of drinking too much beer, but I think now there are healthier and more diverse alternatives on offer. I'll venture out and sample some more. Finally, here's my lockdown meal of choice and a drink you can try at home. Hello and welcome back to my kitchen in Glasgow where I'm going to talk you through my lockdown cuisine, some food and drink suggestions that I've been enjoying since the last episode of Scran. So in the last episode, I was enjoying the ready-made meals that were available for delivery. And since then, quite a few people have started to deliver cook-at-home kits. So I have made an epic-looking burger from Mac and Wild. They have a Venemoo burger, which is um, two uh, beef burgers and two venison burgers, and you stack them pretty high in a burger. So it can either be for four people, or it can be like a fairly epic dinner for two people. It arrives in a a kit with a lot of instructions but it's easy to follow. It's got all the sauces, the condiments, gherkins, lettuce, everything, sliced onions, everything you need to make them. And I can honestly say this was the nicest burger I've had outside a restaurant. Uh, You can really tell the quality of the meat so uh, these guys have a butchery which has just gone online. Two restaurants in London although they are from Scotland, the two guys, and it was brilliant. I'd highly recommend. £28 so probably the cost if you can stretch it for two people you could stretch it over two days which is what we did here because I didn't want four burgers in a bun but it is really great. What we've also been getting creative with in the kitchen um, was Severino's in Edinburgh. For one day only, did a DIY pizza kit delivery to Glasgow and it was their fresh dough, their lovely sugo tomato sauce, uh, some mozzarella and you could just add your own toppings. So we had some salami, some pepperoni, some mushrooms. Had quite a bit of fun just, you know, creating the pizza. Mine was rectangle, it was not round and really, really good. Again, high quality, you can tell the ingredients are great and just nice to support these businesses at this time as well as getting some cooking done at home and since this episode of Scran's all about beer I've been trying Genius Brewing's Light Lager which is a new one for me but I really enjoyed it as I said to Jason it's really citrusy you can tell that it's really light it doesn't make you feel full which I find some beers can do and although I'm not massively bothered about calories to the point where it would put me off 
I am aware so it is nice to know that it's quite light and also that one can equals one unit because one of the things I'm trying to be mindful of during this lockdown is not to get too carried away with the drink because it's easy just to you're not driving you're not really going anywhere the next day maybe have a couple of glasses of wine but this has been great so I'm going to have one of these just now I just pour it into a glass and yeah that's it easy as what I should mention as well is that for anyone who is missing the cold, a cold pint in the pub, Innes and Gunn have just launched a cold beer delivery throughout Glasgow and Edinburgh and you'll get a, a box of beers that arrive at your front door, ice cold, ready to drink and that is absolutely brilliant, especially given the nice weather we've been having. So I've also been enjoying a couple of them. Cheers! Thanks again to our guests Jason, Nick and Sonia. They give me a lot of inspiration for drinks and how best to spend some downtime in lockdown. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We'll be back on the 5th of June for another episode of Scran. I hope this season gives you all some escapism from our current circumstances and ideas on what to eat and drink while staying at home. This episode was presented and co-produced by Rosalind Erskine and co-produced, edited and mixed by Morvan McIntyre. You can download Scran wherever you listen to your podcasts, but for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the Entail app for iOS and Android. If you like what you've heard, please rate and review Scran and help other listeners discover us too. This is a Laudable production for The Scotsman. You can find out more about Laudable and its other local podcasts by following on Twitter, where we are at Laudable Pods, and Instagram by searching Laudable underscore podcasts. Thank you.